So as you know, we've been talking about returning to faith, and uh, we're going to kind of turn the corner in terms of applying these principles uh, to our lives in a, in a, of course, a biblical way, but a practical way. But just by way of review, uh, the Bible tells us four times that the just shall, shall what? They shall live by faith. This is the prescribed way that you live. It doesn't mean, well, when you're in church, then act in faith. When you're doing ministry, act like you're a faith person. But you literally live out your life by faith. Say the just, righteous people shall live by faith. In other words, we don't go to Monday morning and then put our faith on a shelf and then do it on our own, do it through the natural ways and means. No, everything we do, we do by faith. And of course, the Bible tells us we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, that's a very simple scripture, but powerful. And what it means is you don't operate your life day to day by what you see or what you hear or what you feel. Say it like this with me. Say it, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what did God say. So if you want to break it down to its, its basic understanding, a faith person lives based on what God said, no matter what else you're receiving in terms of information. No matter what's contradicting that, you've made a decision, I'm going to believe what God's Word says. Now that involves some practical steps, some things you do. And the first thing we've learned is it involves hearing. If you're not hearing, not with these little paddles on the side of your head, but even if you're not hearing spiritually, Jesus said repeatedly, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. He didn't mean physical hearing because all of his creation, of course, has ears. With a minor exception of someone who may have a, a de, you know, deficit or born with some kind of an issue. But generally, his perfect creation was that everybody would have you know, a set of ears. But that's not what he's talking about. He who has ears to hear spiritually, let him hear what the Spirit of God is actually saying to us as the church and the application of his teaching. So when we say hearing, we're talking about faith comes by hearing and hearing by, by the word of God. So there is uh, different levels of hearing even in this room right now. It's, it's possible that you're so overwhelmed with the day, so overtaken by things that have gone on that uh, you're here physically and that may be all. Well, we're still glad you're here. Everybody say, we're still glad you came. Even if you're a bump on a log tonight, we're so glad that you... You came, amen? We'll take the bump. Yes, we will. <laughs> there are people who hear things physically, but then there are people that are hearing with the Spirit, man, what God says, and it causes their, their spirit to be encouraged and lifted up, and it causes your faith to actually grow. This is what you need about every area of life. Now, when you're lost and undone without God and you're a sinner, you need to know how to get saved. Yeah. You need to know to repent and believe the good news. You need to know, Romans 10, 9, and 10, you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and confession is made unto, or we get to salvation by our confession. Now, if you're a Christian tonight, at some point in time, you did that. Yep. Now, the good news for you and for me is everything else, every other part of our salvation, every single aspect, every other dimension, body, soul, and spirit, we tap into the same way. We believe it. And we say it. But you're not going to believe anything until you actually have heard it. And say, has everybody heard the good news about every dimension of their life? No. Sometimes all they hear is how to get to heaven. And I'm glad they're going to heaven. But there's a lot of living here on earth we have to do. And God wants us to do it in victory. Yes. And not in defeat. So we have to hear. Say it, hearing. hearing. And then we have to make the decision. Everybody say, it's a choice. It's a choice. To believe 
what we actually heard. Now, when I was first born again, I started listening to the Word of God being preached and started reading the Word of God and seeing some of the promises of God. It kind of really blew me away. I'm like, these are amazing. But how do you know if they're in there? They're in there for a reason. And I have to make a choice at some point in time to actually believe it. I just can't hear the good news. I just can't hear he's a savior. And the, you know, experts will tell us that sometimes people will hear the uh, witness of Christ three or four or five times, and then eventually they'll they'll respond, "Amen," as their heart gets softened. But you know, we have to actually choose to believe what we have heard. Yes. So some folks never get to hear, and then some folks hear, and they never get around to believing. In other words, I could preach something tonight and you could say they're just kind of smuggling and say, well, I heard that 30 years ago. I'm not impressed. Did you believe it? And if you did, it would be producing change in your life right now. And that's okay. I mean, at least we're still here. At least we're still moving forward in these things. So faith, how to walk by faith. When someone asks you, how do you walk by faith? What is that faith stuff? You know, who are those faith people? Well, it's just people who believe the Bible, basically. But they do specific things that carry out or demonstrate their walk of faith. And one is they hear. The second thing is they choose to believe. Say this to me. Believing God's Word is a choice. It is not mystical. It is not magical. Come on, say it. It's not mystical. It's not magical. It's not something that comes on you. Ooh, now I can believe God. No, you choose to believe what He says. You choose to believe what that word says over every other expert, every other input, whether it is religion or man-made philosophy, you have chosen to go with what God has said. Pharisees and Jesus, they had a hard time with that because they were teaching, as he said, the teachings of men, the traditions of men that make the word of God of none effect. They didn't like what he was saying because they had chosen to go with their tradition even over the scriptures they claimed to be experts in. It's no different today. I mean, you'll find people dedicate entire YouTube channels to slamming people they don't agree with, with philosophically or spiritually. And yet, I don't find that, dem that demand, order, or gift anywhere in Scripture. In fact, the Bible says, who are you to judge another man's servant? So we know for a fact that's, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. What we are supposed to be doing is believing what God said. Come on, say it. Believing, believing. is a decision. But it's not just believing. The third the principle or, or activity we're supposed to be involved in is actually saying or speaking what God said. When he said confess in Romans 10, all that means is to say the same thing that God says. That's all it means. If I'm supposed to confess my sin, then he convicts me about something. I'm supposed to say the same thing he said about it. I'm not supposed to water it down or call it a mistake or call it an oops Come on, give me some talk back tonight. Amen. It's not, it's not some mendacity, some little oops, some little mistake. It's a what? It's a sin. And so if he says something is a sin, guess what? It's a sin. So now I do what? I agree with it. I'm like, I'm like David. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And he forgave the guilt of my iniquity, not my mistake. And I have an amen tonight. <laughs> and so you say the same thing. But it's not just saying the same thing about sin. It's saying the same thing about his commands. When he says, forgive as you have been forgiven, that's not the great suggestion. <laughs> Are you here? That is not the great suggestion. That's a command. So if I'm going to confess, 
That I'm going to get into agreement with what he says. I'm going to start putting my heart and my mouth together on the fact that I'm supposed to keep those commands. But it's not just you know, the sin you need to agree with God on or the command you need to agree with God on. You also need to start agreeing with God on the promises. And you'd be amazed how many people agree with God on sin, but choke on the promises. I'm not going to choke on the promises. I'm going to confess the sin. I'm going to confess the commands. But I'm also going to confess the promises. And I'm not going to let somebody who won't take the promises talk me out of it or shame me out of it. Just because you don't want to go down that path, don't think you have the right to tell me I don't have to go down that path. Stick to the word of God. Psalm 103, for example, is filled with benefits of salvation. He forgives all of our sins. Aren't you glad for that? No one's making you go on to believing that all of your diseases are healed. You'll still enter the gates of heaven. One day, whether you want to be healed or not, you're going to be. (laughs) There are no sick people there. They're perfectly whole in every way. You won't see anybody up there infirm, nobody with leprosy, nobody you know, with heart disease, nothing like that. You've got brand new flesh, a flesh that is not corruptible. Amen. Amen. That's right. But don't go around you know, sticking your nose in the air, criticizing or rejecting people because they dare to believe the scriptures on healing and the promises on healing. Amen. The Bible does say work out your own salvation. Say, so, I mean, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know what that means to me tonight? Mind your own business about your own salvation. Leave other people alone. You don't want to believe for healing? Don't. But don't look at me cross-eyed because I'm going to confess and agree with the promises. I don't know about you, but I have needed to be healed on occasion. Raise your hand if you've needed to be. I'm talking about just right up physically. You've needed God to touch you. And how many can say you know he did it? Yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten, you know, I've had things taken care of medically and professionally. I don't have a problem with that. You know, we're not Pharisees about that or mental health or anything like that. Thank God for people who have revelation on that and can help people. God's into helping people. I say God's into helping people. But there's also an avenue for healing to come straight from the throne room of God. Through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And faith in his name. It's the same thing when it comes to deliverance or for guidance. When you have a financial need. Some people will choke on on believing God for financial help. Why? The Bible's filled with examples and teachings on finances. Why would I not confess the same thing he says about money? Amen. But if you don't want to, don't. But don't go around looking at other people like they're weird because they dare to believe God to take care of their needs. It was God who said through Paul, for my God shall, my what? My God, not my devil, my God. Not Uncle Fran, amen, or whoever, not the banker, but my God shall supply all my needs and all what? Your needs was the promise to a giving church according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. How do you tap into the riches and glory? In Christ Jesus. But you'd be amazed how many people will fail to say the same thing God says about a promise. You know, all that is is just the devil ripping you off. That's the devil lying to you. If there is a need in any dimension of your life, body, soul, or spirit, and how many know that uh, it costs some money to take care of the body? 
Are you on the same page tonight? It, it, it takes some of this to have a place to put your head tonight, yes. to turn on the heat, to put food on the table. Now it's taken more of this than it did two years ago, but that's another sermon. Yes. Entirely. <laughs> and I shall not deviate tonight. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is it's taking more of this than it did two years ago, even a year ago. You know, kitchen table costs and fuel, whatever the case may be, energy. We all understand that. It's happening right in front of us. But that doesn't change the promise of God. No, it doesn't. I'm just saying this is a pretty good time. If you haven't been agreeing with God in these matters, to start agreeing with God on the promises that take care of you. The Lord, say the Lord, the Lord has, promised has promised to take care of me, care body, of me. soul, and spirit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, spiritually you're fine, great. And, you know, your mind, your emotions, of course, you have promises for God's help in those areas as well. But I found out it costs some money to deal with the body. Yeah. The body wants to eat. Yeah. How many have a body that wants to eat? Don't you be lying now. <laughs> How many have a body that needs to sleep? Yep. Amen. How many appreciate a body sleeping when it's warm and not Amen. outside on the street? Amen. A lot of people around the country. Uh, a few years ago, I was in Long Beach, California, and I was there for a meeting. And uh, I, I mean, we drove down streets that today are completely filled with tents, cardboard boxes, and and how and you know people living in their cars. It's it's an absolute travesty. People are doing that. Uh, I'm just telling you that that God has a way of taking care of you, so you can meet the needs of you know your own life, your own body, and the people that you love and care about. But if you don't want to ask or believe God or confess the same thing about those matters, that's, it's entirely up to you. But don't lift your nose up and judge and criticize somebody who's actually believing God Amen. or saying the same thing. Say it with me. Hearing, Hearing. And, believing and believing and saying. And but it's not just confessing or agreeing with God about the sin or the commands. It's agreeing with God about the sins, the commands, and the promises. Amen. Amen. Uh, you're going to find out that there are a lot of things in the Word of God that relate to us now prophetically. We're living in the end times. <laughs> and I mean, rapid, rapid you know, pace, we're seeing things coming to pass. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we're almost there. This is a pretty good time to get saved if you're not saved. I said, this is a good time to give your life to Christ. Um, because we're barreling through it. So in the Word of God, I, I, I can agree that He's coming soon, or I can just pretend and don't care and live my life as if He's not coming back. That's a choice. That's a decision. So whether it is the sins or the commands, the promises or the prophecies, we need to say the same thing. You know, the Bible says, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. What should you and I be saying? Come, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Come on, say it with me. Come, Lord Jesus. Wouldn't it be something if the last thing we did tonight was go to church on this planet? Now you'll be back. Just like Arnold, look at somebody and tell him, I'll be back. <laughs> You're coming back. People all hung up about the timing of the catch the way of his church. The important thing is to be ready. Say, be ready, be ready, be ready. Um, Jerry Savelle said it like this. He said he has quite a collection of Corvettes and, and motorcycles. The guy's blessed him with over the years. And, 
you know, they, he takes care of them and works on them, that kind of thing. And when they're damaged, he repaired them and rebuilt them. That's what his dad did. And he said, you know, uh, you know, when I'm gone, he said, you know, y'all can ride around those if you want to. He goes, but in seven years, I want them back. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I said, I'll be back. We don't know all the details. All we do know is the word has made it clear. We're there. The seasons are here. We can tell the seasons. We can tell what's going on. We don't know the day and the time and the hour. That's not for us to know. But we'd have to be stupid under a rock, underneath the ocean floor. Amen. Not to realize something going on. Turn to somebody and tell them something is going on. So say it. I hear. I believe. I say. What am I saying? I'm going to say the same thing God says about my sin. I'm going to say the same thing God says about the commands. I'm going to say the same thing God says about the promises. I'm going to say the same thing God says about the prophecies. Yes. That's a decision. Yes. Amen. And I promise you, if you'll do that, then what will happen is just like you got saved with your heart and with, through the agency of your mouth, your mouth will pull you towards the direction of the promises and the victories of God. And your whole life will be what? One of more manifestation than you'd ever have. Not getting your mouth in line with the rest of your life. Amen. A lot of us have the problem right here. Mm -hmm. Amen? Hello? And it's not just cussing and gossiping and stuff like that. It's just failing to see that we need to confess or say the same thing about sin and the commands and the promises and the prophecies. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm looking for his return. Yes. I mean, you have this hope inside of you tonight. Yes. Raise your hand if you have this hope. The Bible says that purifies you. It sanctifies you. It separates you. Amen? It puts you in position not just to go one day, but it puts you in a position to make a difference where you are right now. Thank God. But it's not just hearing and believing and saying. The fourth step is doing. Everybody say doing. Faith without works is is dead. Now, using your mouth is one, one important part of the doing, but doing the things you're actually hearing. Um, we know that we really believe something when we actually carry that thing out. Now, I said a lot, I must spend a lot of time on this, but what do I do? The first thing I do are the plain teachings of Scripture. If it's in the Word of God and God shows you that, amen, you're expected to keep that. If I read in the Bible, guess what? Love your neighbor as yourself. What should I be doing? Right? Because a faith person is going to do what? Going to do what the Word says. Say it with me. A faith person is going to keep the plain teachings, the foundations of the Word of God. Say, I'm a faith person. Now, you could say I'm a Christian and just kind of meander your way through life until you die and go to heaven one day. But if you're going to be a faith person, you're going to have to do what it says. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. We choose these because they're simple illustrations. So what does a faith person do? If the body's assembling, I need to be a part of the body somewhere, somehow. Amen. Say with me, I need to be a part of a body. I need to be present. I don't need to be the one he's talking about in Hebrews, forsaking the assembling. I don't want to listen to language. Forsaking, abandoning the assembling of yourselves. Well, we saw a lot of that in COVID. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't change the reality of that expectation. So what does a faith person do? It's the plain teachings, the foundations of the Scripture. I should do what the Word says. That's the first kind of doing. The second kind of doing are the urgings or the promptings of the Holy Spirit. 
Anybody here ever had just an urge to call somebody, to write somebody, to reach out to somebody, to talk to somebody? You saw them on the street and you knew it was a God thing. That was the Holy Ghost prompting you. Listen to me. The agency of the Lordship of Jesus Christ is the voice of the Holy Spirit in the earth today. He's not physically here, but he prompts us and he directs us. And it's a lot of fun, actually, when you know he is prompting you and you do what he tells you to do. It's a blessing. Amen. For example, if he prompts you to give to somebody, you see somebody on the street, you help somebody at the gas station, you buy somebody's groceries. And it's fine if you want to do it just because you're a nice person. There's nothing wrong with being nice to people. In other words, you don't have to be prompted to do something nice to people. That's already covered in the first part, the word. Amen. Kindness. But there are times when we are clearly prompted by the Spirit of God to do something. And that's we are expected as faith people to hear that prompt and then do it. Whether it's simple or significant, where it takes a little bit of faith or a lot of faith, we should act on what we're actually told to do. It's a blessing to us. It's more blessed to give than it is. To receive. But how many know that uh, somebody out there, if you're getting urged to do something and you're in the proximity, say the spiritual proximity of a prayer that went up to God, you right there are his hand extended. Somebody is praying and here you are urged. Now you just became the answer to their prayer simply by being a faith person who hears the urging or the prompting and then do it. Now, this little word of exhortation for you, how God prompts you and urges you, pay attention to that because that will become a pattern in your life. It can be a little different for different people. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The third area we talked about the past two Sundays is in the area of your conscience where he convicts you for things you're doing wrong or convicts you for things you should be doing that you're not doing. And what should we do when we're convicted? Rationalize it away. Excuse it. No. Point out that so-and-so is worse than we are. <laughs> no. We should what? We should, just like we do the foundations and just like we do the urgings, we do the convictions. Say it with me. The foundations, the urgings, and the convictions. And the conviction is only possible if your conscience is actually sensitive and working, which is a whole other issue that we begin to delve into. Say it with me. God give me a tender heart and a tender conscience. Because if you don't have one, so many things that God wants to do in your life can't be done. Amen. Um, so we, we don't need to be hard-hearted in these last days. Oh my goodness, we need to have a tender heart. How many want to hear everything he's saying? How many want to pick up every prompt, everything he's doing? Yeah. And so if he's convicting you, he's not beating up on you. He's actually blessing you. Are you really going to say that, Pastor? Yeah. yeah. Conviction is a blessing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because all it does is nudge you back onto the perfect path. Yes. Amen. You know, uh, years ago, a Japanese, uh, or it was a Korean airliner, I believe it was, that got off course over Soviet airspace. 180, 160-something people on there, plus the crew. And a Russian missile took it down, killed every one of them. They, they looked at the black box, and they were only off like one degree on their, on their heading. 
and it cost everybody, and people, of course, blame the, the you know, Russians. They could have used more discretion. It was not a military vehicle. It wasn't even a spy vehicle. It was just an airliner with a clear you know, flight plan. They shouldn't have done it. But they were in the airspace because of very, very tiny air. You know what conviction does? It keeps you in the right space. It keeps you on the right path. Say it with me. Conviction, conviction. is a blessing. Now, what's, what's troublesome is when you don't get convicted anymore. When you shoot your mouth off and you don't feel bad about it. When you betray somebody and you don't feel bad about it. When you cross a line in terms of morality and you no longer have that pain and conviction, you're not in a good place. But as we found out this past weekend, if God can heal my mind, my emotions, my body, God can also heal my conscience. Amen. I have no idea the condition of your conscience. I'm just telling you, this is a very good time to be tender-hearted towards the Lord. Amen. So why did I say all that? All that was my introduction tonight. <laughs> Those of you who've been here a while know that I just told you the truth. <laughs> now, the reason I'm saying that is, and I'm going to start over here in John 16, verse 33. No one is immune from a bad report. But I'm a faith person. <laughs> I hear, and I believe, and I say, and I do. How could I possibly be getting a bad report? Um, there are times, you know, when God will just really impress me about a series. There are times when God will impress me about a particular message within that context. And, and that night is, is tonight. There's some of you that have received bad reports. There's some of you that are going to receive bad reports. Some of you have lived through bad reports, and you need to know how to walk that out without, hey man, the devil compromising you. Are you throwing your faith down? Jesus said this, I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. Where does the peace come from? Separate yourself from the Lord in a hard time, and you're going to lose your peace. These things so that you may have Peace in this world you will have tribulation. trouble or tribulation. Who said that? Jesus. How many believe John 3.16? Yeah. You also need to believe John 16.33. Yeah. Some of you don't even have to read that to know there's trouble in this world. What you do need to do is learn how to deal with the trouble scripturally so that you come out victorious no matter what comes at you. You can't uh, do anything about by and large, many things that you're exposed to or that happen to you or that your family may deal with, but you have everything to say how you're going to react to it. That's right. Amen. Say it with me. I can choose, I can choose. How, to how to respond to trouble. There's going to come a time when there won't be any trouble. Could you imagine that? Do you know that? There will be no trouble in the new kingdom. There will be no trouble during the millennium. There will be no trouble in, in heaven. Amen. There won't be any more saber rattling and nations going to war. They will either bow to him or else. I don't know about you, but I hope I get to, to spend some time on the earth during the middle rain. I want to see what it looks like for the lion and the lamb to lay down together. Age old enemies, amen, becoming friends under the ruler of a benevolent and godly king. His name is Jesus. Amen. What a day. That will be. But you're not in that day. No. Jesus said, and through his apostle, in this world you'll have what? He said, 
He said, in this world you have trouble, through the apostle, he said this, those who live, all those who live a godly life. How many? All. All those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be rewarded with a bubble existence as long as their feet are on the earth. Nothing will ever come after them, challenge them, oppose them. They'll get put in a bubble. No. Now, all those that live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul had to tell his son Timothy this because Timothy was given charge of what became the largest church that existed in the first century, the church at Ephesus. And it dwindled down to almost nothing because of persecution. You know, we had to tell Timothy, Timothy, don't you faint now. Don't you quit. You fan into the flame the gift that is in you, that was given to you when the elders lay hands on you. Persecution not only snuffed out the faith of a lot of people in that church, it was coming after the leadership as well. Look at somebody and say, nobody's exempt. You tonight say, I'm a faith person. And even if you're not there yet, it's okay. Hang around. You will be. Amen. Say, I'm a faith person. <laughs> say, I am a faith person. And by that, I mean what? You hear, you believe, you say, and you do. Nothing mystical, nothing magical, nothing special about that in terms of being different or better than somebody. It's just you made a decision to hear, to believe, to say, and to do, and that makes you a faith person, and that makes you a unique breed of Christian in this world. Are you here? And the devil is not going to sit back and say, ah, you got me. I'm not going to mess with you because you're a faith person. No, on the contrary, guess what being a faith person does? Puts a big old bullseye on your back and your front and your head and your rear end, amen, everywhere. You got a bullseye. So why would I want to be a faith person? Because faith is what pleases God, and faith is how you manifest what God has promised you in this life. How do you want to please God? Well, that's the reality. So what do you do to deal with a bad report? Why do they come? Well, they come because sometimes you and I are unwise. The Gospel of Forrest Gump, chapter 1, verse 1. Stupid is as stupid does. Amen. Amen. Anybody ever hear, do a stupid thing, and then there were some consequences to it? Can't blame that even on the devil. Amen? Sometimes we're not wise in the choices and the decisions that we make, and so trouble comes on us, and a bad report comes because of the things we've actually done or the choices we've actually made. Sometimes um, it happens just because we're physically breathing on this planet. We're alive. Amen? Um, You're here, and you should realize this, that you're redeemed as a Christian, but the planet has not yet been fully restored. That's why if, if you ever see something like happen in December last year with the tornadoes in our, in our area, uh, don't call those act of gods because they're not. They didn't exist in the garden before the fall. These are products and consequences of sin that the Lord will ultimately deal with. Romans tells us that even the ground itself, it, it groans for redemption. And it's there. What you have the benefit of being is the ability to know how to believe God to deal with these things in a fallen world among fallen people. Are you here today? So the reality is not uh, everything 
that happens is because, or you know, you're unwise. It, it can certainly be the case, but more often than not, it's just because you're alive and it's common to man. Some people are shocked that they have setbacks or adversities, or somebody doesn't like them, or something terrible happens to them, and you know, well, poor little me, woe is me. No, be careful with that because there's always somebody around that has more woe than you. Instead of being like that, why don't you just pick yourself up and say, you know, I'm going to use my faith to deal with this situation. I'm going to finally put my foot down. And instead of just living through all this mess, I'm going to start lifting myself up through the Word of God and believing God to do something around this, you know, with this situation. Say it when God can turn it around. But He can't turn it around if you don't give Him something to work with, which is, of course, your faith. In other words, you're completely normal. Turn to somebody and say, you are normal. Versus being Abby normal. Say it, I'm normal. <laughs> a bad report coming to you doesn't mean you're a terrible person. It has nothing to do with it. Um, I've known you know, people that uh, didn't walk with God at all, and they had bad reports. I know people who are closer to God seemingly than I'll ever be. No more of the word than I'll ever be. And yet they had have had bad reports. The people who are going to excel in these last days are people who experience bad reports, but those bad reports are not believed more than God's word, and they do not alter the trajectory of their life spiritually because they're going to keep on following God and walking with God. Amen. You'd be amazed to know that some of the people that, that God is using the most around the world, the things they've gone through, the bad reports that they have had, but you know, they all have one thing in common. They don't go around bragging on the bad report or bragging on the devil. Amen. They simply stay with the Word of God and deal with that bad report. Look at somebody and tell them if there's a bad report coming your way, it's because you're normal. How? Normal? Pretty normal. There's another reason we experience bad reports, and that's because we are threats to the enemy. Amen. I've watched this. I've seen how the devil doesn't even mess with religious people. Amen. You know, the devil doesn't go to many bars and people sitting there getting drunk and mess with them. It's a foregone conclusion they'll destroy their own lives. Amen. He's not threatened by tradition or religion, but I'll tell you what he is threatened by. He's threatened by a certain breed of Christian. Congratulations. You're that breed. He's threatened by you. And the Bible says, A thief cometh not before to steal and kill and destroy. But your job is to remember that he said he has come that we might have life, life more abundantly to the full, till it what? Till it overflows. So we're not shocked or somehow moved because some things happen. We've just learned as faith people how to deal with these things. We don't come off of the Faith is hearing, believing, saying, and doing just because you've gone through something that's tough. Amen. Say it with me. All who are living for God may have a bad report. Amen. Being a faith person does not put you in a bubble and inoculate you from, from challenges of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. What does it do? It gives you the way to victory, though. Yes. That's the difference. That's why 
uh, in these last days, you're going to see a distinction between those who honor and serve God and those that don't. We're going through things right now, you know, internationally and nationally, uh, that you're, you're going to be so glad you are a faith person. Yes. Amen. Say it again. I'm not moved by what, what I see or hear or feel. I'm moved by what did God say. So why is the bad report? Why would there be attacks and assaults? Why would there be an agenda? You know, I don't see them to be that big of a threat. What's going on here? The goal is to get you to throw down your faith, plain and simple, to get you to walk away from walking with God in terms of saying the same thing he says and doing the things he says to do, from believing that you can actually have what God said you could have. He wants you to throw down your faith. And you know, somebody was circulating on social media asking people to pray for William Shatner at his old age because when he came back recently from that space trip, he looked out there and all that nothingness, and his interpretation was, instead of looking out there and seeing the stars and being pointed towards God, he said, all I saw was death out there. How many like to have Captain Kirk in heaven with us? Would that be Okay. <laughs> We'll pray for them because that's the kind of thing we're dealing with out there. People are either going to see through the lens of the Word of God, they're going to see the lens through the lens of, of naturalism and humanism and miss the whole point. You know, our Father calls them all by name. He knows them. He, he knows how many there are, not just in our galaxy, but in everywhere. He flung them into existence. And all you can see is darkness and death out there. There are a lot of people like that. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're not supposed to be that way. The devil wants you to throw down your faith. We have a record number of people around the country, young people raised in church. They're falling for this deconstructing their faith stuff and criticizing the word of God and criticizing God. Can I tell you something? You're not in a position to criticize God or his word. He's smarter. That means if he's smarter, you're what? You're dumber. And throwing their faith down because, you know, loving God couldn't possibly send somebody to hell. God will never send anybody to hell. People do that themselves. It's just a simple choice. I'm going to walk with God or not walk with God. It's not God doing it. God has done everything he could do. Amen. I mean, how many people in the natural, in this planet, how many people in this room, you've actually sacrificed your own son or daughter for the benefit of somebody else? You have not. So until you do, you're not in the same ballpark with what God did for us. How man? There's a story about a, a man. He was a bridge keeper. And, you know, he used to bring his son and show him how, how things were done, spend time with him. And when a big ship would come by, he'd have to, you know, raise the drawbridge up and the gears would turn. The kid thought that was fascinating. And, uh, you know, one time uh, he failed to, to do this. And, uh, you know, his kid was, was playing near the, Near the, uh, the field, watch him. He's playing near the gears, and the kid slipped into the gears. And here comes, in this particular case, I believe it was a train on a boat. And here comes the, the train, and there's a, a train full of people, passenger train, that are going to die if that thing is not lowered properly by the time it gets there. And guess the decision that he made? He threw the lever. His son was crushed by the wheels so that the hundreds of people in that train could be saved. And that man looked at that train going by, and the dining car, they were eating and laughing. Another car, they were resting and playing. Other cars, they were just drinking coffee, whatever. They were completely oblivious to the sacrifice that was just made by the man at the gears 
that day. And how dare somebody say, how could a loving God send somebody to hell? You don't go to hell for your adultery, for your alcoholism. You don't go there for stealing or for killing. You go to hell because you rejected the only way to prevent you from going to hell. Jesus. You see how easy the Father made it, how simple the Father made it? (laughs) One name. Not confusion, 50 names. One name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Now, Jesus was put on that cross just like that little boy was sacrificed for the sins of all mankind. All we have to do is take that and receive that by grace and get that through faith, through believing what God said about him, and we're saved. But I'm telling you, it's out there. Somebody heard a bad report, and they decided this faith stuff doesn't work. They heard a bad report and decided, you know, God can't possibly be real. How would he allow this to happen? Look, God put us in charge, and we have failed God. God has not failed us. Come on, say it. We failed him. He hasn't failed us. Thank God he's not going to sit back, amen, just twiddle the thumbs. There is a day of reckoning. God is patient, not wanting any to perish. You see that? Does that sound like a God is just tossing people into hell? No. Don't malign my heavenly Father just because you don't have revelation on this. He has done everything he could do to stop people from going to hell. And they make fun of it. Well, we're going to have a party. We're on the highway to hell. You know, we're going to have a bunch of friends and party down there. There is no party down there. There is no joy down there. There is no peace down there. And so what has the devil done now today? You'd be amazed how many congregations and even preachers tell their people there is no hell. That is a church doctrine created by man. No, the revelation comes from the mouth of Jesus himself. This is not a heaven or hell. Are they real issue? This is who are you believing, the word of God or people? Say it with me, I believe God. God. Say it, I believe God. The question is not whether bad reports will come. The question is how will you choose to respond to them? Some people look within and it causes them to be distressed. They have hyper introspection, trying to figure out what they did to deserve this or, you know, how come this happened to them? And they get bitter and they get distressed because they're looking inward. Some folks look back and they're defeated. They got all kinds of regrets. And what is? Raise your hand if you have a regret. Or what if? Anybody? Say it. Regrets. And what ifs? It's not going to do you any good to go back in your mind to deal with these things. You need to fight in the present. Fight in the present, where you are right now. Some folks look around and they're distracted. There's plenty to distract us right now in their church. Isn't it so easy to turn your attention onto whatever voice is out there and whatever expert there is out there? Yeah. And all you're going to be is distracted. Look ahead and you're going to be dismayed because you're not living in the moment. Going to be filled with anxiety instead of filled with faith and victory and peace in your heart. But then there are those people who look up and they're delivered. They fix their eyes on the author and the finisher of their faith. They're focused on Him. They're focused on what did God say. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they who love your law or your word, and nothing can make them stumble. 
Nothing can scandalize them. Nothing can cause them to be offended. Nothing can trip them up like putting a rock in their way in the dark and they fall over it on their face. No, because they do what? They love the Word of God. What are they paying attention to? Not all these other things, other ways of dealing with it, but no, they're focused on what did God say. How not to respond to bad reports? Number one, don't freak out. <laughs> Raise your hand if you ever freaked out. Come on, don't lie. Don't commit the sin of lying. <laughs> uh, and how many of you are married to somebody who freaked out? We'll just leave it there, amen. The second response is frustration. If you allow yourself to go down that path, eventually you'll give up. Uh, there are a lot of frustrated people in this planet right now, and a lot of them are inside the church as well. Number three, don't react in the flesh. Pause before you speak. Pause before you act. Once you say it, it's out there. You can't reel it back in again. Once you sow that seed, it is there. I like to say it like this. One fit of flesh can call, cost you your eternity, your destiny. How many want to do whatever God's called you to do in this life? How many want to walk through the doors he's assigned you to walk through? That fit of flesh, even though sometimes it may feel good as a release, you get it off your chest kind of a thing, well, I sure told them, it can cost you everything. King Uzziah was very prosperous, successful. From a little boy, he sat at the feet of Zechariah. Then one day he decided he could do anything he wanted to do. And he's inside the temple offering incense, which is something that only the priests were supposed to do. And when he was confronted, everybody say fit of flesh. When he was confronted, what we like to say is he repented and said, fellas, you're absolutely right. I'm going over here to pray and ask God's forgiveness. That's not what he did. What did he do? Everybody say, fit of flesh. The Bible describes it as he raged at the priests. Have you ever seen anybody rage? Have you ever seen Karen on a TikTok video or a Facebook video? What's the male equivalent of a Karen? You millennials out there? It is just, And it always seems to be some white woman, 45, 50 years old, Amen. Giving white and middle-aged women a bad name. Just going off on somebody, you know, controlling, <clears throat> raging. Am I hitting a nerve over there, Bert? <laughs> is, that what he, is that what he calls you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh -uh. We need to pray today, right now. <laughs> but that's the mental image, you know, this person just unhinged for no reason over the stupidest stuff. You know, somebody took their parking, you know, lot or, you know, you know, place or somebody, you know, got to a sale before they did or whatever. Somebody just hit them the wrong way you know, in some kind of a thing they said or did. You know, raging, you can do that, but you can also lose your destiny that way. Yeah. A lot of people in Scripture. And Uzziah became leprous. He lost his kingdom. He lost his palace. He lost his future. He lost his destiny over what? Over a fit of rage. So when you get a bad report, what you want to do is stay out of the flesh. Come on, say this to me. When a bad report comes, my flesh is not anointed to get me out. In fact, if you're digging, guess what? You're going to dig deeper with a fit of the flesh. You're not helping in that situation. Look at somebody say, don't have a fit of the flesh. 
Tell them, Karen, come out in Jesus' name. Fourth, I like to call frenzy. You have no focus. You're just trying anything you can to alleviate and get the pressure off. Scattershot. Scattershots with religion and philosophy and just trying to do something to get the pressure off. That's not faith. Faith is taking the Word of God and applying it to your life to deal with the pressure in the situation. It's very important you see the difference that. Look at somebody say, no frenzy here. And the last one you can guess is don't get into fear. If you get into fear, you're going to be paralyzed. Nothing's going to work. Uh, fear, as you know, is the opposite of faith. And if you unplug from faith, you get into fear. If you want to, you can unplug from fear and go back into faith. But it's a choice. Um, and you say, is this easy? No, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody walking in victory, but they're not. A lot of people in these days we're living are being taken out by stuff. They're getting bad reports, and they're getting stuck right there. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do is get stuck by the bad report. Amen. I'm going to tell you, he's still a forgiver. I said he's still a deliverer. He's still a healer. He's still the Lord of glory. Amen. That hasn't changed. All you did was get a bad report, but it didn't change the word one iota. Well, I want you to meditate on this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. And then we'll talk about specifically in the next time together uh, the things you need to do to deal with that bad report. But this from Isaiah, for the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been what? Been revealed. Okay, here's your choice. Here's your decision. Here's what God said, and here's what the bad report says. Now, which one are you going to believe? Amen. Um, I remember... Um, you know, Brother Copeland, years ago, talking about how what a hellion his son John was and always in trouble, always getting into wrecks and always getting into situations that were bad and negative. And uh, they just began to get the word of God on, uh, on what he's supposed to become, what he's supposed to do. And they treasured the word of God and they believed it in their hearts. And they said it with their mouth that God told them to do something and handling him. That's what they would do. In other words, just because your kid... You know, the world says your kid's a hellion doesn't mean that's what the Word says. That's right. Whose report are you going to believe? The world says, well, you're going to have this disease to the day you die. That's what the world says. That's what the enemy would like you to believe. Well, you'll never have anything. You'll always be poor, broke, busted, and disgusted. Okay, well, that's the voice out there, but that's not what the Word of God says. You get a bad report financially. You could have gotten a bad report financially this week, you know. You, should, you could have gotten a, a tax bill you weren't expecting, or maybe your property taxes have gone up, or maybe something else happened. Maybe something fell through that you were expecting to receive. You got a bad report. That doesn't change the word at all. Our bad reports that we receive do not alter the integrity of the Word of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and what? And forever. So the first thing you have to do is make up your mind that I, I am going to look at that bad report through the eyes and the lens of the Word of God. And I'm not going to come off of what God's Word said. Now, the, the good thing for you and me is we've been in the Word of God enough to know enough about a lot of the promises of God and what God says. You want to keep renewing your mind to that. I know a lot of people don't know the Word. So when they hear a bad report, guess what they do? That must be true. 
Now, we need to know the Word of God enough that when we hear a bad report that contradicts the Word, we reject it and stick with the Word of God. This is what God's Word says. By His stripes, you were healed. He sent forth His Word and healed them. He forgives all our diseases and heals all of our sicknesses. He Himself carried our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Amen. Do you believe that today? Yes. And on and on and on it goes. They shall lay hands on the sick and they... They shall instantly die. No. They shall recover. Now, to the extent that we believe these things, that extent is based on how we've been in the Word of God. Do we, do we hear? Do we believe? Do we say? And do we do the things He's told us to do? Um, I wish I could stop bad reports from coming into your lives. I can't. But what I can do is, is teach you how to appropriate your faith to overcome everything that's thrown at you. Because you're called in the Bible more than conquerors. Amen. Come on, say, I'm not just a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more. That's right, pastor is here to pump you up. Bless God. <laughs> Amen. And you can learn to take those things that come at you and use them to build spiritual muscle. Next thing you know, you'll be walking around like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you'll say, devil, keep it up. Amen. I'll get bigger than this. But a lot of whining and complaining and groveling and whatever's going on out there is not in faith. It's not going to produce anything. Um, God's not moved by pity. <coughs> How many have tried that before? We were as pitiful as we could possibly try to be, and he, he didn't care. He didn't seem to care at all about that. Why? Because pity is not faith. Amen? So say to me, I'm going to hear... I'm going to believe, I'm going to say, and I'm going to do. And when a report comes that contradicts the Word of God, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Well, what's the report of the Lord? I don't know what the report of the Lord is, only because you haven't read enough on it. But his report on healings in here, on deliverance, on provisions in here, his, his report on forgiveness is here, his report on prophecies in here, amen? It's fine to, to listen to other people and read books and stuff like that, but guess what? This is where you find the report of what? The unadulterated report. No commentary. Amen? Just the report of the Lord. Amen? That's what people of faith actually do. Can you receive that tonight? I want you to bow your heads for just a moment.